Hello, this is Gary Sheffer. And hello to Mike Fernandez. How you doing, Gary? Good, good. We're on episode number 90, believe it or not. Amazing. Of the crux. So we've done more of these than the NBA does in a regular season. Completely. And I think we had more wins than most NBA teams. I agree. At least the Knicks. The Knicks, anyway, my team. (laughs) But anyway, let's let's move on before we fall down to sports uh, rabbit hole. Mike, we've discussed on the crux, the essential need for communicators to become, and I'm doing air quotes here, trusted counselors, a phrase you hear a lot in communications and public relations, to their colleagues in the C-suite. Frank Shaw, head of comms at Microsoft, said it really well earlier this year on the crux. Communicators have a really broad view of their company or their enterprise that they work for. And with that comes responsibility, sort of to quote Uncle Ben from Spider-Man, right? Lots of scope and lots of responsibility. Mm-hmm. And you have to have a deep understanding of the business you're working for or with, whether you're in-house or uh, in an agency as a PR and communications professional. That's the heart of today's episode on the crux. It's not enough to know the output of a business, the products and services or the financial performance but you also have to know everything from strategy through execution, through interaction with stakeholders and markets. And it's incredibly important that communicators understand the language of business. At Boston University, where I am today at the College of Communication, business literacy and acumen are part of the curriculum at both the undergraduate and graduate levels. And with us today to discuss that are BU lecturer, Sarah Dasher, who teaches investor relations this semester in our communications curriculum. Shay Spector, who recently earned a master's degree in communications at Com, and now is an assistant account executive at Prozac Partners. And her Prozac colleague, Lindsay Jablonski, a 2016 Com graduate and an account supervisor at Prozac. So Sarah, Shay, Lindsay, welcome to The Crux. Welcome to The Crux. Each week, two of the world's top communicators take you behind the scenes of the news of the day to explore the crux of communications that are shaping business, politics, and our daily lives. Hi, this is Gary Sheffer. And hi, I'm Mike Fernandez, and we're glad to be with you from Boston University. I used to win Crux merchandise in your class, and now I'm on the podcast. Oh, yes. The mer- the Crux has the best merch. Uh, I'm telling you, you're, <laughs> you're all going to get stuff after today's uh, episode. Let, let's start, but let's start with Sarah, who earned a master's degree in communications at BU and a bachelor's degree in journalism at the University of Georgia's Grady College. Sarah, if you could, please tell us about the investor relations course you teach at BU and what you emphasize to students in it. Well, hi, everyone. And I wanted to say, uh, first off, thanks to Gary and Mike for asking me on. And uh, this also feels full circle for me. I can remember when you two started this podcast. So I'm a longtime listener, as they say. And I do sometimes bring episodes into the classroom. 
So I, I think I've created maybe some new fans uh, among among oh, my students. We need them, Sarah. Keep doing it. We need them. <laughs> I think you have more than you realize. Yeah. So so I you know I'm really happy to talk about um, teaching close to the business. I, I try to in anything that I'm teaching at Com, I try to think about the business because certainly working in corporate communications, that's what we have to do. And uh, investor relations is, is no different. If anything, this might be the ultimate um, you know, course that we teach at Com that scares communicators <laughs> off. And, and that, I think that's probably no surprise. And you know, when I think about teaching, I always want to put myself in the student's shoes. And I can remember when I was a journalism student originally, you know, entering into communication as a professional, there was this attitude of communicators not being good at math, right? And I, and I think about where did I get that idea from? Well, I loved reading from an early age. And because I loved reading and read, read so much, writing came very naturally to me. I'm a very naturally curious person, right? So you know, all the, the baseline uh, ingredients to be a good communicator were there, whereas math was something that I, I wasn't as um, drawn to organically. And so it was a little more challenging because I wasn't just immersed in it. And so uh, I see that still with students today. And I, I think that those messages get reinforced uh, in the K through 12 setting. I think parents sometimes unwittingly reinforce that because they want to shine on what they're students are good at. So, uh, you know, currently I am teaching investor relations at Com, And uh, in this class, we examine the challenges of marketing a company to the financial community. And the, the way that breaks down is uh, into three key areas. We're looking at first the development of the IR profession. Uh, then we explore the financial tools of the trade. Um, and once we understand that language, we're able to get to the communication techniques uh, that are specific to investor relations. You know, and when I'm developing a syllabus or planning out a class for, for anything I'm teaching at Com, I always try to put myself back into the student's shoes and think about, you know, what, what it was that I wish I knew back then that I know. <laughs> and, and Sarah, what, what is it in the course investor relations, obviously communications and IR sometimes sit side by side. Sometimes they're together in a big company. Um, you know, the, the IR sits in finance, let's say. What is it about the course that students find most valuable and enlightening? Um, I think it really is just the demystification of the finance piece, right? And it, and it really is just like learning a new language. I use that analogy for them a lot because, you know, these students are good with language um, in, many, in many ways, not just because they can read and, and write effectively and strategically, uh, but also many of our students are international. We have a beautiful mix of, um, you know, people from all over the world coming to learn at BU. And so these, many of our students already know how to speak in multiple languages. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, plus I have to think, Sarah, that it helps them decode some of the mystique that's surrounded around business, right? I mean, so, sometimes we get lost by the numbers, and yet if we can understand what some of those numbers are and what feeds into those numbers, then we've got an ability sometimes to tell actually a more interesting story. 
That's right. And we can do some really simple things like, you know, taking the the financial statements and having them replicate that in their own life. So in learning a balance sheet, having them create one related to their own financial situation, which makes it kind of fun. Um, and then they can take that and scale it up to that of a, you know, a publicly traded company. Imagine if we had to report out quarterly. <laughs> I don't want any part of that, Mike. Please. please. <laughs> now, Shay, you earned your master's degree at BU's College of Communication. Then you, and earlier, you had earned your bachelor's degree at McGill, also in communications. Uh, you took courses in financial and strategic management and in investor relations. You're early in your PR and business career. How have these kinds of courses helped you as you've started in your career? Those two courses have helped me tremendously in my career so far. Not only has it given me a solid foundation to allow me to understand my clients' work better, but it's also helped make the things that I don't understand easier to learn. So in my work, we talk a lot about IPOs, SPACs, company valuations, et cetera. And so prior to these courses, I didn't know about these things. But I think most importantly, the courses gave me more confidence in my ability to work in financial communications and interact with my clients as I understand the industry more than some of my peers with no finance background would. It's important to note that when our clients come to us for our expertise in PR, that when we do have that additional finance understanding and background as well, we're able to help them that much more and provide an even more um, informed decision or informed advice. Yeah, I think it actually gives you a little bit of shorthand in order to connect uh, with your client, you know, it, it, it goes back to that language thing, right? So, so, so if you're able to speak their language, you're able to help them better understand the importance of articulating a message in a particular way to reach their multiplicity of audiences. You know, you know, Mike, I, in just listening to Shay, she was a student in my class I feel sorry for you, Shay. No. (laughs) Yeah, so do I. So do I. There are always gladness for punishment. What can I say? (laughs) Anyway. But uh, Shay was in our, what we call our business acumen class here at BU. And it's, I I think the formal title is uh, financial and strategic management Uh for communicators. But I always like to think of it as, as business acumen. And something that impressed me about Shay is that she was doing a final project on Peloton, and I had the students do a final project, uh, like an investor presentation uh, on on the company of their choosing in Teams, of course. And one of the things that Shay did in that for that final project was she contacted the head of investor relations at Peloton, reached out uh, to him. I think it was a him on the company's financial messaging strategy. Shay did. I, I remember talking to you about this. What'd you learn from that conversation, talking to a professional in the field at a company that was under a lot of scrutiny at the time? Right. So what's funny is at the time, I was I remember being so nervous to speak with him because he was the head of IR at a, at a major publicly traded company. But now the heads of IR of 
and communications are my clients that I interact with every day. And sometimes they actually reach out to me and my colleagues for our advice. And so from that conversation with him, I learned how to effectively interact with stakeholders and a larger audience as a whole um, and how to, you know, how to guide my clients when interacting with their stakeholders. And that's helpful for me as well as I help my clients prepare for AGM meetings or even interviews with reporters. Yeah, that's great. You know, Gary, I think that that's one of the benefits that Sarah brings and you bring in terms of teaching at BU in the sense that uh, you're able to bring the outside in in a very effective way as practitioners and, and, and former practitioner. I just think that that's invaluable. Yeah. And, you know, Mike, I always tell the students and Sarah the story about my experiences, I, Shay, I was just like you, except I was so nervous about talking to the finance people when I got to GE, which at the time was the most, the largest and most respected company in the world. And they said, hey, you're the financial communicator. And I said, what? <laughs> I, you know, I, I'd come from politics and sort of political journalism and I can remember being in those first meetings and saying, my goodness, I just hope nobody asks me a question. You know, what's organic, what's organic growth or that kind of thing. And, and thankfully they didn't. But I set out getting my education at the age of 40 rather than in my undergraduate or graduate. And, and that's why I think these courses at BU are, are so, so helpful. Lindsay, we want to bring you in to the conversation. Uh, tell us what you do at Prozac. And, and by the way, Prozac, they're friends of the podcast. We love talking to them. And, and some of the folks have been on on the crux in the past. What's your day-to-day role like? And what do your clients expect from you on, on uh, business acumen? Yes. Um, so Gary and Mike, um, thank you very much for having me on. Um, just to take a step back um, for anybody who hasn't previously heard of ProSec. Um, that's where Shay and I are now. ProSec Partners, we are a PR and marketing firm and we specialize in all things financial services. So when I say financial services, this can go anywhere from IR to corporate communication to even consumer banking. And my areas at ProSec, um, I'm more in the private markets. So it's private equity, venture capital, private credit, and real estate. So account supervisor, it's a mid-level agency role. And this is where we've had a few years in the trenches and understand um, some of that on the ground work, Um, you know, the PR 101, building media lists, writing pitches and pitching Mm -hmm. reporters. And then, you know, as you move on to account supervisor, your role is to, um, you know, now that you know the fundamentals, take that all to the next level to start to become more ingrained into a client's business and the markets they play in. And this will help them you know, achieve their goals and reach their audiences, all while keeping the account running smoothly. So at a basic level, they would expect us to understand what they do, you know, their competitors, and what's going on in the greater market. Mm-hmm. But you also really know their point of view in the market and their differentiators and their business goals. So we're able to help them reach audiences uh, that would help achieve those goals. And, and, and Lindsay, what would you say, in addition to taking, of course, some of the classes that we offer at BU, you know, I'm, I'm teaching business acumen again this semester. How can students, young professionals really learn 
business. What are some of the habits that you uh, practice every day to make sure you're on top of what's going on in the business world? Well, you have to read the news in the industry um, that you are working in. So for financial services, um, some of the areas that I mentioned, private equity, venture capital, real estate, keeping on top of those trends. You know, when I first started off, I thought, you know, I have this job now and I'm going to be an expert in all things finance in the next couple of weeks. And, you know, guess what? That never happened. (laughs) And it's probably never going to happen because it's such a broad space and there is just so much to know. Really focus in on whatever area you're working in and get to know that space, get to know the key players in that space, get to know what some people are doing right and what some people are doing wrong. And then when you have that context and you're thinking about, the business that you're working for and the business that you're handling communications for, it'll help you see that through that, that lens. Well, and, and the other thing I think that's interesting in, in that private equity space is just it, it's harder to actually access some level of information. And that's why periodically you see surprises uh, pop up in the media associated with various schemes or approaches. Are there any key learnings that you might have to share with our audience? Yeah, I would say also on the flip side to that, um, you also have to be careful about how much you reveal, right? Because it's obviously, you know, there's, I mean, for private equity, you know, there are some regulations that you have to keep in mind as well. Um, but you also don't want to be giving away too much um, ahead of announcing things too. Absolutely. So I would say there's there's two sides to that as well. Yeah, there's the financial disclosure component about what can you say and when can you say it, and then on the other hand, there's also the challenge that's there. There's just a lot of information in the private equity market that's that goes misunderstood. Exactly. You know, and Mike and, and, and Lindsay, I would just say that when you get into that kind of detail in our classes, students really sort of groove on it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like this discussion of uh, not only the rules, but the competitive positioning. Yeah. I've had a lot of students talk to me about they never understood the the kinds of things that go on in a business that are about winning. Yeah. Right. And it relates almost to, you know, it gets some of their competitive spirits, some of their athletic or sports sort of backgrounds, their juices flowing. So exactly. they think it's going to be boring, but they end up at the end of the semester saying, I so love this from that perspective. No. And getting that behind the scenes look for, I mean, financial markets, it's, you know, some of the stuff that literally can keep the world running in that case. So Getting a behind the scenes look at how this runs, um, even if you're not, even if you're only working with a couple clients, um, getting to know the space and getting to know, you know, how how this world really operates. It's all very, very interesting. Now, one of the, the, the books that's kind of used in this area was written by a couple of friends of Gary's and mine in terms of uh, Matt Regas and Ron Culp from DePaul University. The, the latest of their books is uh, Business Acumen for Strategic Communications, uh, uh, a Primer or Primer. Uh, in it, Matt and Ron write that communications must become 
business people with an expertise in communication. They define business acumen this way. Business acumen means becoming knowledgeable about business functions, stakeholders, and markets that are critical to the success of one's organization or client, using this understanding to assess business matters through a communications lens, and then providing informed strategic recommendations and actions. Sarah, does that meet up, that broad concept meet up with what you try to do in the classroom? It does. It, it definitely does. And um, I'm, I'm familiar with the, their textbook and, and have taught it and uh, completely agree that that's what we're trying to do. Um, and I love that you all were just talking about, um, you know, get, creating interest in the students, surprised interest. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. I was just thinking as you all were talking, like it really is about the stories of these companies. And uh, yeah, great point. Yeah. And while we are in IR focused more so on the, the public market side, you know, we, as Lindsay was talking about private equity, you know, I'm thinking, you know, we do address the private markets too, because we are looking at the life cycles of these companies and the students do seem to get excited, especially when it's brands that they care about, you know, so I often will ask the students to either I'll bring in articles uh, on, on companies I know the students are interested in or ask them to tell me, you know, who are they thinking about? And a lot of what I'm doing is that sort of, Lindsay also used the word context, right? Like it, creating the context of where we have been or where these companies have been or where the market has been, what's happening now and what are the near-term implications, right? And to do that, of course, there's the baseline textbook that you use to kind of uh, create your syllabus at the beginning of the semester. But from there, you know, I want it to be absolutely up to date. And to do that, we're bringing in the latest research insights, um, thought leadership from organizations like NERI for investor relations, um, you know, case study analyses, uh, guest speakers, anything I can do to bring it current. And then really pushing the students to be able to um, you know, immerse themselves in that, both in what I'm at, what I'm suggesting they do or, or asking that they do, tied to grade, but also really encouraging them to, to, to learn on their own. And then we apply it with simulation, right? We're doing simulation exercises in the classroom where I'm, I'm giving them problems to solve real world problems uh, as if they were IR teams and, you know, telling them that, they don't have to have the right answers. A lot of times there is no exact right answer. They just have to put on their strategic hats and, and make some decisions. And then we talk about it. So, so do you deal with like a complex topic like environmental, social and governance impacts? I mean, ESG in the classroom, I mean, ESG, first of all, is very, a very hot topic. Uh, obviously, you've got regulators in several countries now talking about we need more transparency about how companies are doing on these things, particularly on the environmental side. Politically, in the U.S., you also have pressure from the right saying, you know, it's wrong about how companies are being forced or pushed or pressured politically to get engaged on ESG issues. How do you manage an issue like that in the classroom? Sure. And it's funny thinking about bringing issues into a 2022 classroom, right? This can feel a little scary for instructors. I don't know how 
the other two instructors on this call feel. You know, what, what I try to do is just, again, it goes back to context. I'll share, you know, what does the data show us? ESG is, is, is it's a hot topic for sure. Mike, actually, uh, a few weeks ago, we pulled in um, a chart showing the instance of ESG as a Google search term uh, from like going back to, I think, 2007 or eight through today. <laughs> You can probably picture what that chart looked like, right? It was pretty flat and then just boom in 20, like late 2019 and, and on from 2020. Um, so, of course, because executives uh, are thinking about this, talking about this, being asked to execute on this in their strategy um, and then getting pushback and criticism now that we've been living with this for a couple of years um, and we're seeing some results you know, we have to talk about it. We absolutely have to talk about it. So yes, this, this is a chapter in our book, but also we, from week two, I had them read a, um, a Harvard Business Review article about the changing role of the IRO. And of course that mentions ESG. So we, we have been talking about it from the beginning and our students already come in with some awareness because they, you know, they consume news and they were already pretty familiar on CSR and sustainability. So now we're talking about you know, what, what is ESG? And that gets right back to the business, right? Um, and, and just, I'll make one more point here. We, uh, we, found a, we found a really good resource with the Harvard Law School Forums. Forum on Co Corporate Governance has been a really rich um, go-to place for me to pull sort of the latest in thinking around this um, topic really, um, you know, with a, with a lot of data, with a lot of inputs helping to inform us. So, you know, we, we read an article that was ESG ratings are, to quote, a compass without a direction. And then we took that and looked at some of the companies they've been following and seeing how that was sort of lived out through um, execution at these companies. You know, how were they being rated um, and how were some of those ratings perhaps problematic based on what the students had already learned about the companies and their shareholders? Thank you for tuning in to this episode of The Crux. On The Crux, we discuss the intersection of communications, business, and society. Follow us at The Crux on Facebook and Twitter. You can also find our episodes on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, and on our website at thecruxpodcast.org. Now, let's get back to the episode. That's excellent. You know, one of the things that's always intrigued me is to what extent are the ratings driven by a uh, an analysis and how much of it might be driven by headlines, uh, because I think that there's an aspect of that to some of these ESG ratings too, uh, but but really fascinating. Uh, Lindsay, you know, uh, you, we were talking a little bit before about the importance of business acumen for you uh, in, in what you do and how important it is at ProSec. Uh, I'm also keen on this notion that, you know, uh, learning is lifelong. And I'm just curious, what do you do to sort of sharpen the saw? What do you do to continue to develop your business acumen while working at ProSec? 
I think the best way of keeping my business knowledge up to date is just really keeping in touch with the news, um, whatever is going on in the different sectors that you're working in and uh, making sure that you know the latest um, and you know what the predictions are for the next upcoming year and just the varying viewpoints and the different outlooks. Um, it can kind of help you guide your own opinion and, you know, figure out the lay of the land there. So, um, so, if, so if I'm a new client and I reach out to you and I said, no, I, I, I think we might be able to use your help. Uh, we're going to announce a JV and this JV is going to do X, Y, and Z. What kind of questions do you ask me in order to get a better glean on my business? In terms of the best questions to ask a client, um, or the best, sorry, the best questions um, to ask a client um, when they approach you for help um, is really get to the bottom of what their business goals are going to be. Um, that will help you determine the audience that you need to get in front of, the publications that you need to get in front of, um, and then from there will help guide your strategy. So figure out what their end goal is from a business perspective, and then you can peel back the layers um, as to how a communications program will help them out there. Right. Mm-hmm. Shay, you know, um, you took two courses of from me uh, at BU, so there's not much left for you to learn in the world um, after that. But I'm I'm interested in asking you the same same kind of question. How how do you think about your ongoing education today? That's a great question. You know, I think one of my mottos is you can never know too much. You can never learn too much. So as Lindsay said, just constantly keep reading, stay up to date with what's happening, not only with your clients, but what's happening in the industry your clients work in. You know, potentially going out and getting another degree, maybe a business degree. You know, now there's so many resources available online to take free business courses. You know, keep learning, keep educating yourself because you can never (laughs) know too much. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I just took this weekend, like a, a you're so right, a, a LinkedIn leadership course, you know, just, uh, I, I just think if you're curious and, and, you know, the learning never stops because being a leader today, for example, in business is a lot different than it was just a few years ago um, before I walked out the door because I was so old and, and just couldn't perform anymore. But I'm going to ask two, I'm going to do two different kinds of questions here. Our amazing graduate assistant, here at BU. Anna Quinn has been with us for two semesters on the crux, soon coming to a close, but she happens to be in Professor Dasher's class on investor relations. So Anna, this is your chance to turn the tables on Sarah and ask her a tough question about uh, business acumen in the course you're taking. Yeah, sure. So, hi, Professor Thatcher. And to literally turn the table, I'm going to take this question straight out of our midterm, actually, and ask someone who is about to graduate and looking for a job and sitting in all these interviews. I would love to hear why are communicators perfect for an investor relations job? Like, what are two to three key skills that we should be 
emphasizing to better positions ourselves for these roles. Great, Anna. And it's such a delight to be on the podcast with you and to have you in my class. Uh, this is the second time I've, I've had the pleasure of teaching Anna. Um, and thank you. Thank you for putting one of my midterm questions back on me. <laughs> <laughs> As, as they say, turn about is fair play. Yeah. Yeah. Are, are you going to curve? Are you going to curve? Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, I definitely think that li the listening component of good communications uh, is vital. Um, and I think having the perspective, you know, that we teach in terms of public relations and corporate communications, having that 360 degree viewpoint uh, in thinking about all the different stakeholders is absolutely, uh, you know, a, a value add for communicators stepping into uh, an executive boardroom. Uh, and then a, a third thing, just uh, being able to synthesize lots of disparate information, right? So, um, you know, we have to keep our fingers on the pulse of all that's happening for the, the clients yeah. and companies we're communicating for uh, to be able to effectively do our job. And so who better than to be sitting in the C-suite, uh, right, and helping to make decisions because, because we have to take all of that information and be able to distill it to key messages and key ideas and, and do so with a strategic uh, mindset. So, yeah, I think, I think we're, we're ideal partners to the business. Sarah, that's a that's a great answer. And now I want to turn the tables on Mike. You know, I I, I kid Mike about You do that you do that every week. <laughs> <laughs> but I always kid you about your degree in accounting, right? You and, do. and and I, Mike, I remember you were treasurer at IPR or was it and you would give the treasurer's report and I was like, how the hell does that guy know all this stuff? You know, it was, I was seriously, it was very, quite impressive. So well done. Did I get that right? IPR, Mike, or was it at page? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, I actually, I think I served treasurer at both places yeah. at different points in time. So, um, and I know it's, you know, your degree has been beneficial throughout your career. And I do get, um, Shay mentioned this, I do get questions from students a lot about what kind of advanced degree they should pursue? Should I get an MBA or a master's degree in communications? How, how would you answer that question? Well, first of all, the reason I ended up getting my degree is because at the time I was working in politics and the vagaries of politics, I was just worried my guy was going to lose. <laughs> um, Which they eventually do, most of them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. My guy didn't, but uh, that's a whole other story. But I will say that the degree was extraordinarily helpful in understanding the language of business. And it allowed you to connect in important ways with business leadership. I'd say the other thing that sort of moves one in the direction of maybe thinking about doing it is when you're in the C-suite. I was very fortunate. I first became uh, a member of a C-suite uh, when I was still in my 30s, and I was the chief communications officer for uh, a, a telecom, U.S. West, which had been a baby bell in 14 Western and Midwestern states. And the degree that the CEO had and the degree that most people around that table had 
was an MBA. Yeah. Um, so with the exception of, you know, the chief legal officer that that person usually had their law degree, uh, but in most cases they had an MBA. Now I didn't have a, an, an MBA. I had what was, uh, the sort of kickoff degree at Georgetown before they built out their MBA program as a master of science in accounting. Um, but I do think whether one pursues an MBA or a master's uh, degree in some business discipline, that uh, the real key is communicators, I think, if they want to advance inside large organizations today, need to have a firm grasp of the language of business. Mm -hmm. Uh, they need to understand how their businesses or organizations thrive, make money. What are the major risks to them thriving in the future? What are the key, uh, you know, strategic imperatives for that organization in terms of how they see themselves vis-a-vis competitors and other broad things happening in the economy. We've heard it from our speakers on the show today, yeah. you know, that it is so important to not just view oneself as a communicator, but almost view oneself as a key person within that organization and business that can help that business tell its story. Uh, but in order to tell its story, you need to understand the business. That's that's a a great answer, and 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 I want to uh, build on uh, on some of that is that there are opportunities for um, all kind. Doesn't have to be an MBA program, right? It can mm -hmm, be, mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. know, some of the folks who went to work for me at GE um, in financial communications audited courses online or, you know, went to local yeah. colleges and, and, or just sat down with people and dedicated themselves to going through, they were at advanced, you know, sort of stages in their career yeah. to, to do all, to learn everything you just talked about, Mike. Yeah. Well, and Sarah mentioned Neary, you know, I've, I've actually used, because in various roles, I've had uh, the head of IR report into yeah. me. Uh, and as a consequence, not only did I have people who were in the IR function, but sometimes even communicators take some of the offerings at Neary yep. to better educate themselves or to take a, a course or two at a local university, mm -hmm. you know, to learn more about finance. Absolutely. to learn more about accounting, to learn more about business strategy. So before we close this out, uh, what I'd like to ask each of you to address, and maybe we'll, we'll, we'll do this uh, in, in a slightly different order. We'll, uh, I'll, I'll go from uh, the most recently out from uh you in, in asking uh, Shay to go ahead and, and respond first, and then Lindsay, and then Sarah. But I'd love for each of you to offer a little bit of advice. That is, what advice would you give to an undergrad or a grad student about building their business expertise? You know, as I said before, 
you can never learn too much. You can never know too much. And so my advice would be to take as, as many business-related courses as you can. Even if you're not interested in financial PR or communications necessarily, these classes can help you in your everyday lives as well. You know, I had little to no finance background before I took these classes at BU, but through these classes, I learned how to read income statements and balance sheets and even how to evaluate stocks, which is helpful for me, not only in my career, but, you know, also when I, as I'm starting to build my own financial portfolio and make my own investment decisions. <laughs> That's terrific. Yep. That's great answer. Uh, Lindsay. Um, I would say just to dive very deeply into, um, you know, whatever project you're focusing on at the time. So whether it's your final project on Peloton, your internship at Microsoft, or if you're joining the post-grad apprentice program at ProSec, laser focus on what you're doing there, learn the business, learn the clients, and learn how they communicate, learn their approach, learn their different stakeholders, learn the industry. And by doing that, you will eventually learn how to think like a communicator. And, you know, that will help you prepare for any future roles um, in the space. Great. Sarah. Yeah, well, well certainly this is uh, a through line of today's discussion has been that school really is just baseline only, right? We all have to continue to keep learning. Um, and, and that should, that, sort of thinking should start when they're students. And uh, one thing that I encourage students to do is just immerse themselves right now into industries that they personally care about, whether that's something you have a passion for um, with hobbies or interest, or perhaps there's a, a company that you're targeting to work for, right? And you can kill two mm -hmm. birds with one stone. Um, because you should be researching uh, that company and the industry they're operating in for your, um, you know, prospect, prospecting and interviewing. So, you know, put yourself into the industry in terms of following um, trade news, keeping up with who the market leaders and emerging players are, learning whatever industry jargon there is, and, you know, listening to earnings everything that you can. And this shouldn't feel like a chore. If it feels like a chore, I tell the students they pick wrong. <laughs> and I think about my own career, you know, years and years ago, I, I first came into corporate communications through the back door. You mentioned um, that I, you know, my undergrad is in journalism and I, I went to work for a commercial real estate trade publication simply because, you know, there was a job available in a down market um, and I could write, but it turned out I had a natural affinity for the space because I already, I loved architecture. I was very interested in, um, you know, development. You know, why is there a construction site right there where previously it was a parking deck? What's happening in my neighborhood? You know, and I cared about politics and media. And so all of these things converged at the point of commercial real estate. And I haven't worked in that vertical since 2014, but I can't help myself. I am a natural lifelong learner of, you know, all things CRE. And um, I pay attention because I want to, and it's interesting. And um, I find that I, you know, it comes up a couple of times a week in conversation. So to me, it should be like that for students. This should not be, um, this should be something that can happen for you sort of naturally. And, yeah. and it should be fun, right? It should be. Exactly. Fun. Well, Sarah, that's so, that's such a great point. And I, I try to emphasize that to my students is that, you know, business celebrity, sport, <laughs> everything often interact. If you look at Kanye, 
you look at things like the World Cup, you know, I mean, it just uh, fashion. Um, a lot of students express interest in fashion communication. Well, you know, Gary, part of what it comes down to is communicators inside organizations are first and foremost problem solvers at their best. Exactly. Yeah. And that requires us to learn as much as we can about these organizations that we get passionate about, like Sarah uh, was talking about. And it also forces us, as all three of them have said throughout the program, to be a continuous learner. That's fantastic, Mike. Good way to end it. And so Sarah, Lindsay, and Shay, Thank you so much for being on The Crux. We really appreciate it. Um, and thanks to Anna for the great question of her professor. And I, I don't want to hear any pushback, uh, Sarah, from, you know, to Anna after that question. You know, she's I, she's only doing her job here on The Crux. Well, see, I'm only hoping that Anna now gets more gumption to ask you more tough questions, Gary. <laughs> she should. That's probably right. Anna might be teaching the course by the end of the semester. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so anyway, thanks to you all for being on the crux. Take Thank care. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the crux. Our producer is Boston University student Anna Wynn. This episode and other episodes are made possible by the Boston University College of Communication, or COM as it is known. Located in the heart of downtown Boston, COM is BU's home to the studies of advertising, emerging media, film and TV, journalism, media science, and public relations. At COM, we seek to build understanding among people through better communication. Find out more at www.bu.edu forward slash com.